of Exodus, and then we'll finish off our the second part of our message on its time to shine. It'll be Exodus chapter. Sorry, yes, the book of Exodus. That'll be chapter thirty-two. Exodus chapter thirty-two. I'm sorry, thirty-four. Exodus chapter thirty-four. And we finished out in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 9. And we're going to begin uh, with that there in verse 9. And we talked about just a few things as we went through the first few verses. And we talked about how the very first thing we we need to do is, if we want to shine for the Lord, is to present ourselves to Him. And then also the second truth was, and of course there was a lot of sub-points up underneath that, but the second truth was, was then to prostrate ourselves before him. And that was in verses 8 and 9. And now the third truth is, when it's our time to shine, is we want to practice ourselves. Practice ourselves. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, let's take a look at it here tonight. And uh, we'll look in verse 11. And we'll see that, that truth this evening. But before we do, we go back up to verse 9. And one of the things we notice about verse 9 is, of course, we ended up with the Bible saying, the very bottom part of verse 9, is he said, go among us, which is they desired his presence. Uh, he said, pardon our iniquity, which they were asking for forgiveness. And then the latter part, he says, take us for thine inheritance. And they were willing to rededicate their life. They saw the error of their ways, and they wanted the Lord to uh, take them despite of who they are, despite of the things that they've done. And they wanted the Lord to, uh, to grab a hold of them and take them with them. They wanted to be the Lord's. As we get in there into verse 11, uh, we get into our next truth where the Bible tells us to practice ourselves. To practice ourselves. And there in verse 11, notice the Bible says, He says, Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Pezrite, the Hevite, and the Jebusite. Now we notice there in verse 11, he says, Observe that which I command thee this day. Now that idea to observe uh, doesn't just have the idea just to look and see, just to look at that which I've commanded you, not just to see what I've commanded you, but the idea to observe is to see and then to do. So that's the idea of practice. Now just watching, uh, just watching uh, what... Uh, the Lord has commanded, or just hearing what the Lord has commanded, isn't the same as doing what the Lord has commanded. And so there in verse 11, when he says, Observe that which I have commanded thee, he wants them to listen to what he's saying, he wants them to watch what he's saying, and he wants them to, to practice what it is that he is saying. And so hear my commands, see my commands, obey my commands, uh, observe that which I command thee this day. Now, if there's one thing for sure that we're going to need in our life, if we want to shine for God, and if we want the power of God upon our life, then one of the things that we're going to definitely need to make sure that we do is put into practice the things that God has called us to do. And uh, we go back to verse 9, of course, which is going to set the stage for this in our life. Whenever we uh, ask God, we ask for God's presence in our life to go among us. When we desire God's presence in our life, it makes a big difference. When we ask for forgiveness, ask God to pardon our iniquity, that means there's nothing between us and God. And so we clear the air, we clear the way for uh, a direct path between us and God. 
And then also uh, to reded making sure that we are devoted and rededicating our lives to the Lord and observing that and listening and hearing and practicing what it is that God has called us to do in our life. Now we put all these things together and what we're doing is, is we're setting ourselves up for the perfect, uh, uh, the perfect place in our life to be able to allow ourselves to shine before men. And that's exactly what Moses was doing. And that's uh, what uh, the Lord was teaching him. He says, observe that which I command thee this day. And notice whenever he said uh, to observe these things, he says, behold, I drive out the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. All these different enemies that he knew that God's people faced in their life. Uh, I tell you what, I'm glad that uh, the Lord knows who our enemies are. He can call them by name. He knows that which we struggle with. He knows that which we have a hard time with in our life. He can call it by name. He knows exactly what it is. And the Bible shows us here that uh, he can give us victory over these things. But what was it going to take? I mean, what was, uh, what was it going to take for these giants to be defeated, for these enemies in our life? To be defeated. What was it going to take? Well, I mean, we can just go back and read all the way back from verses 1 through 9 and pull out all the subpoints and see all the things that, uh, that was said that's going to enable us to have victory in our life. And uh, going all the way back just to verse 9, just, I mean, we go right there asking for God's presence and uh, getting our hearts right before God and, and making sure we're devoted to Him and following Him. And then verse 11, practicing what He's telling us to observe and listen to and practice and see. In our life, which is his commands, not nobody else's commands, but the commands of God. He says, observe that which I command thee this day. He didn't say what the world says, what he said, she said, they said. He says what I say. Uh, and so what is it that's going to give us victory? It's going to be observing and practicing in our life what it is that the Lord has commanded us. Just as the Lord has said in his word in the New Testament. He says, don't just be doers of that. Don't just be hearers of the word but doers of the word. Don't just be hearers only, but doers of it. Because listen, we can hear it all we want, and we can even see it all we want, but if we're not going to apply it and, 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 and apply it to our life and practice it, then it's not going to do us as much good. And so he says, when he says observe, he's not just saying just to hear it, he's not just saying just to see it, but to put this command, put my commands into practice in your life. And that is what's going to give us victory there in verse 11, over the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Pezrite and all these, all these different things that we battle with and struggle with in our life. Now here, we're calling them all ites. But as I said earlier, you know exactly what it is in your life that, that brings you down, that kind of uh, gets you to that place where you know where you feel like that you know I'm always constantly defeated by this one thing. And maybe it's a besetting sin or it's just something else that, that's in your life that uh, just kind of gets you from time to time and, and the devil always seems to be able to find that uh, that that weak crack in your armor you know and and uh, and he always knows when to strike he strikes at the right time and and so the bible says observe that which i command thee this day now he didn't say observe which i command thee tomorrow he didn't say wait till next week to do it he didn't say well we can just try to maybe pick this thing up at the beginning of the year you know and you yeah, 2021 comes around, you know, you can rededicate your life then and you can get your heart right then. And, you know, no, God didn't say wait uh, any time. He says, uh, often we see in the scriptures, is today is the day of salvation. Right here he says, uh, observe that which I command thee this day. He wasn't interested in God's people waiting until tomorrow. He wasn't interested in waiting until next week, next month, 
next year. He wasn't interested in them waiting until uh, there was a good time for them, you know, because listen, if you always try to wait on a good time for yourself, you're probably never going to find one. If you're, all, if, if you're waiting on everything to just be perfect, you're waiting on everything just to be right, that's probably not going to happen. And, you know, sometimes, you know, folks, so the, well, we, have, we all, I guess, have this tendency, we'll put things off and say, well, when, it, when, when, it, when it's the right time, and sometimes that right time never comes by, and we end up passing up the opportunity that we had. Uh, and so, now, what we see here is, is, is he says, this day. Uh, God wanted his people to get their, heart right, their hearts right this day. He wanted them to desire his presence this day. He wanted them to, uh, uh, to practice his commands and apply his commands to their life this day. Not tomorrow, not next week, not settle everything next year. But he wanted them to observe that which they needed to observe his commands on, uh, on today. And so we see we need to practice ourselves, apply his truths there to our life. It'll help to drive out our enemies, and uh, we'll be able to see, and we'll see God do tremendous things, uh, such as driving out all these different enemies in our life there in verse 12. Notice what he goes on to say. He says, take heed to yourself. So if we're going to have to practice ourselves, what's the next thing we're going to have to do? Well, we're going to have to protect ourselves. There in verse 12, notice he says, Take heed to thyself. Uh, you know, the Lord knows that if there's anyone that we need to take heed to, it's, 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 it's to ourselves. You know, sometimes we get so busy and hung up on taking heed to everybody else. But we got to make sure that we take heed to ourselves because, listen, sometimes we're, and if not most of the time, aside from the devil himself, we can be our own worst enemy. Did you know that? You know, sometimes you can be your own worst enemy. You know, you can be your, you can be your own worst critic. You can be, you, we, we can actually, sometimes the devil don't have to do nothing but just sit back and watch us work. Because uh, we'll do everything, because we'll do everything we can to destroy our own selves, you know. We'll, we'll put ourselves down, we'll get ourselves in this place in our life where, where you know, we have just discouraged our own selves so much so. We have just beat our own selves so much so that really all the devil has to do is just sit back and watch. Uh, because we've just done all the work for him. And so uh, the Bible says here in, in the verse, he says, take heed to thyself and so one of the things we're definitely going to have to do if we're going to allow ourselves to shine uh, in the Lord is we're going to have to make sure that we take heed to ourselves protect ourselves guard ourselves so many different things that we need to make sure that we beware of in our own life and that we beware of that's all around us and protecting ourselves putting on the armor of God the Bible says take heed to thyself watch this he says least thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, whether thou goest, least it be for a snare in the midst of thee. Uh, and so he shows us there in verse 12 that we need to make sure that we guard ourselves, that we need to make sure that we protect ourselves because there's a world out here that has so many different things that we can be trapped in and ensnared in. There in verse 12, he says, the very last part of it, he says, least it be for a snare in the midst of thee. And so listen, God knows that we're living out here in a sinful world and he says, as a Christian, you're going to have to make sure that as you're living out here in this sinful world, you've got to know that you're going to have to uh, be on the guard. You're going to have to be on the watch. You're going to have to be, you're going to have to be submissive to me there in verses 9 and 11. You're, you're going to have to make sure that uh, you're walking in the Spirit. You're going to have to make sure that, uh, that, that man, you're, that you are filled with the Spirit of God, that you are empowered by the power of God, because you're going to be out here walking around in this world 
And as you're out here walking around this world, there's so many things that can trap you. There's so many things that can ensnare you. There's so many things that, uh, that, that can ruin and destroy your life. And so he says there in verse 12, he says, take heed to thyself. You need to make sure that you are watchful, that you're on guard, that, that you are doing all that you can to protect yourself, your family. And of course, the Bible says that the devil is uh, walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And, and, uh, and because of that, that means we have to be careful. Now listen, if you was out there on the African safari and you knew that there was a lion walking around out there and uh, you knew that he was, uh, you could hear him roar and you knew he was out there ready to eat you, what would you probably be doing? You'd probably be looking around, right? You'd probably be watchful. You'd probably be doing everything you can to look around, see if you can find him and see if you can locate him and making sure you're doing everything you can to walk circumspectly in your life because uh, so that you didn't, uh, so that you didn't uh, 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 attract him to come up there and, and grab a hold of you. Uh, and so uh, we see here in the text that he says, take heed to thyself, be on guard, protect yourself, because what will happen if you're not careful, then you'll make a covenant, you'll make a league with the inhabitants of the land. You'll get out here in this world, you'll become a part of it. The Bible says come out from a from the world and being separate, he says, but if you're not careful, you'll become a part of it. He says, so you got to be careful in your life. you got to be watchful in your life. Make sure, verses 9 and 10 and all those things following up to that, that you're walking with me and talking with me and, and that we're in fellowship and and that and that, uh, and that, I, I, that I am amongst you there in verse 9 and and that we are on, uh, on, on talking grounds and and that you have the power of God in your life, he says, because you're going to be out here in this world that you're going to need to be careful with, uh, because if not, you'll end up making a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. He says, wherever thou goest, at least it be a snare in the midst of thee. And so not only do we practice ourselves, but I believe the Bible also shows us that if we're going to shine before the Lord, that we need to make sure that we are protecting ourselves, protecting ourselves. Next thing I think that we see, uh, there in verse, uh, well, we leave actually this part. Let's go on down to well, let's go on down to verse, uh, down to verse thirteen. The Bible says, "But you shall destroy." Notice he says, "But you shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves." Now the Lord wasn't going to have any mercy whatsoever uh, to the false gods of this world. He says, "Listen, these these false gods out here and these things out here in this world, they will ensnare you in your life." And what you'll end up doing is you'll make leads with them, you'll make covenants with them, you'll fall down, you'll bow down, and you'll worship these false gods. He says what you need to do is, he says you need to make sure that you destroy their altars. He says you need to make sure that you don't allow these altars to be erected up in your life to anything. And once you see it, once you, once you realize what is going on in your life, he says, listen, you need to destroy those altars. You need to break those images. You need to cut down their groves, you know. When you go out here in this world and you, and you see uh, these different things, it's going to uh, uh, turn you into their direction, into a life of sin. We've got to do everything we can to make sure that we get that stuff out of our life and get, and get away from it. There in verse 14, he says, For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord whose name is Jealous, capital J there, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. And so the Lord doesn't like the fact when his people, uh, when his people begin to worship other gods, they're called spiritual adultery. Now let me ask you this. Now it looks like, you know, we're, uh, um, we've, uh, we've all been married, had got husbands, wives, or whatever. And, and so let me ask you this. Would you, uh, would, would, it, uh, would it upset you a little bit if your husband or your wife 
uh, went off with another man or went off with another woman or something like that. Would that upset you? You'd say, well, yes, of course it would. Well, what we what do we think that it does to the heart of God whenever we commit spiritual adultery on, our, on the Lord out here in the world? I mean, it still has that same burden. It has the same, uh, our Lord has a heart and it burdens his heart when the bride of Christ leaves from him and comes back out into the world. And so the same concept that we see there. And so he says, you're the, uh, the Lord whose name is a jealous God. Now there in verse 15, the Bible says, Lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one shall call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. He says, then you'll, you'll end up partaking of the things of the world. If you're not careful, if you're not protecting yourself and guarding yourself, you'll find yourself right back out there in the world where you came from, if you're not walking with me and fellowshipping with me, next thing you know, you'll find yourself right back out there where it is that you came from, worshiping the same stuff, bowing down to the same stuff, talking to the same stuff, partaking of the same stuff, ingesting the same stuff. There in verse 15, he says, uh, he says not only will you uh, and do sacrifice unto their gods, uh, he says, but you also eat of the sacrifice. Not only will you, not only will you partake of what they're doing on the outside, but you'll, but you'll end up having that stuff on the inside. You will, you will ingest the things of this world, and and when you ingest the things of this world, it uh, it is defiling to our spirit. And he says there in verse sixteen, he says, and thou take of their daughters and thy sons and their daughters, and go whoring after other gods, and make thy sons. Go whoring after their gods. And so he saw the, dis, the disunity that would be there and the chaos that would come from being out there into the world. And so he gives these, he gives these instructions. So he says, listen, if you, if you want your light to shine in the, in the world and you want your light to shine in the community and you want, your, you want your light to shine before God, then one of the things that we got to make sure that we're doing is that we are uh, being careful and that we are taking heed to ourselves, protecting ourselves, guarding ourselves, because if not, we'll end up right back out there in the world where we came from. And I tell you what, it's not very difficult uh, to get right back out in the world. So it does, it's not very difficult at all. I mean, it, it's, uh, we're already, we already have a sin nature that's bent towards sin. Nobody, has to, nobody really has to coerce us into sin because we, uh, we, we are, we're already bent towards it, you know, and and so if we want our light to shine, we've got to make sure that we are careful, definitely, uh, in our life. And so we leave that section, then we go straight over to verse 27. Go to verse 27, because verses 18 and following talks a lot about the feast and things. So go to verse 27, and as Moses is up on top of the mountain, he's spending time with the Lord. And the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with thee, and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, and neither did eat bread nor drink water. I tell you what, I thought it very interesting there in verse 27, uh, when the Bible says, he says, write these words. He didn't just say, uh, uh, not, he didn't just say you know, um, write anything you want, but it is that God had something that he wanted to say, and that which he wanted to say is that which he wanted Moses to to write down on those tablets. It was, it, was a, it was what God wanted to speak. It was what God wanted the people to know. And so there in verse 27, he says, Write thou these words after the tenor of these words. You know, that's, you know, that's just one, another reason why we know that the Bible is the inspired word of God because uh, every, and every jot and every tittle belongs to him. Uh, and, and that we know that we can trust uh, the word of God that we have because, you know, even whenever it gets broken, 
Uh, even when uh, Moses threw it down on the on the calf and the, and and, it, and and the tables of stone broke, uh, God rewrote the word. And there in Jeremiah chapter thirty six, whenever the king, whenever the prophet delivered uh, Jeremiah delivered God's word up to the king, and the king didn't like what was said. You know what he did? He took the word of God, he threw it in the fire, and burned it up. And then you know what? Uh, you know what Jeremiah did? He left, and then God gave him some more words to write. You know what he said? He says, write the same thing that I told you to write before, but then add this right here to it. And so he ended up writing the very same things that he wrote before, brought it right back to the king. Listen, what God says, what God wrote, what God says, and what God wrote down, you can count on it. You can believe it. Don't matter how long ago it was. Don't matter if it was on clay tablets. It don't matter if it was, uh, don't matter if it was uh, written in a book or whatever it was. If God wrote these words down, then you can count on it, and you can know it to be true. And he says, write thou these words not just any words, not his words or their words or anything else. But he says, write thou these words, because these words are my words. And that's what he wanted Moses to see. And that's what he wanted the people to know. And there in verse 28, the Bible says he was there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights. And he did neither eat bread nor drink water. Now, isn't that something? You know, they say you can't go but three days, really three days without drinking water. But uh, here we see Moses up on top of the mountain with God, and he went 40 days and never drunk anything. Now, isn't that something? To go 40 days and not even have a sip of water? I mean, sometimes, I mean, sometimes uh, you know, you, you, only, you go about an hour or two, and your throat's already starting to get a little dry, and, you know, you need to have a little drink or something. Here we got Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights with God, and they spent all that time with the Lord and never even had a drink. I tell you what, isn't God good? God knows how to provide for his people. You know, God knows if your throat's dry, if your throat's dry and he knows how to make sure that it's not going to be dry. You know, I, I, I doubt whenever Moses was up there with the Lord that he was up there saying, man, I tell you what, God, I sure would like to write this down, but man, I tell you, I'm starving half to death, and I, can I get something to drink down here? I mean, you know, I ain't had nothing to drink in three days, and uh, you, you mind if I have a little something? You know, God knows exactly, uh, God knows exactly uh, how thirsty we are in our life. He knows exactly how dry our throat is. God sustains him on every single minute day, even down to the saliva in his mouth. I find that pretty impressive. Uh, and so God knew every detail about Moses. He knew every, uh, every need that he had, whether it was his growling stomach there on the mountain with God for 40 days or whether it was because his mouth was dry and he didn't have no water at all. God knew his exact needs. He knew he knew. Uh, exactly when to provide it, exactly how to take care of him. Uh, nobody, I think, I, I'm not even sure if, if I'm not sure if anybody has ever lived 40 days uh, without having anything to drink in history. I mean, I don't think so, but I haven't really looked it up. But, you know, they say three, three or four days and, you know, and uh, you're not doing too well. Uh, but we see here he was up on the mountain with God for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't eat anything. He didn't drink anything, and what did he do? The Bible says he wrote upon the tables the word of the covenant of um, the Ten Commandments. And so uh, what a blessing that we see uh, happen to Moses as he was up here, uh, as he was up here with the Lord. You know, if, and the one thing that I see here too is that if we want ourselves to shine out in public, we have to prepare ourselves to shine in private. I mean, how uh, was it uh, one preacher I heard say a long time ago, you can't expect to preach cream on Sunday. You can't expect uh, uh, to preach cream on Sunday morning uh, if you're uh, uh, if you're not studying throughout uh, studying throughout the week. You know, we want to we, we want to do the best that we can, whether whether it's preaching or or whether it is anything else out here. We want to do. We want to do the best that we can today, 
And, and, uh, and everything we do with, with no effort and no work and no study and, or whatever it is that we, that we need to do in our life, listen, it can't happen. And the Bible says there in verse, uh, shows us there in verse 28 that when he was with God uh, and he was in the presence of God, the Bible shows that, man, that he was, he was preparing himself on the inside to shine to everyone on the outside. He had no idea what God was, he had no idea what was happening to him at that moment. He had no idea whenever he left from here what his face was going to do. He had, I mean, God didn't tell him, and he had no idea what was going to happen. But what he did was, was he got alone with God, and when he got alone with God, he was, in essence, preparing himself internally to shine externally. He was preparing himself privately, and he was going to be shining publicly. And so there in verse 29, he spent time with the Lord, and what did he do? Uh, there in verse 27, he was writing down the words of God. Verse 28, he was writing down the words of God. He was spending time with God. Now, do you think it took him 40 days to write all? Do you think it took him 40 days to write 10 commandments on some clay tablets? You know, I don't know. I wasn't there with him, but I do know this. I imagine that during that 40 days, there was a lot of time that he spent with the Lord in fellowship and talking and communion together. And uh, and so there in verse 28, one of the things that we see is that in verse 29, we see that, uh, that he was uh, preparing himself on the inside uh, uh, to shine on the outside. And then what happened there in verse 29, the Bible says it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand when he came down from the mount that Moses wits not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And so Moses had no idea that his faith was shining. As he was on his way down from the mountain, the Bible says that he had no idea. He wist not the skin of his face shone. He had no idea how, uh, how uh, uh, the Lord had the glory of God had shown so much around him that he had spent so much time in the presence of God. He had spent so much time in, in, in submersed in the glory of God that it was just all around him. I mean, it was just shining off of his face. I mean, how tremendous is that? And he had no idea it was even happening. And the Bible says there in verse 30 that when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And so there in verse 30, what happens is, is we see that when you spend time with God, there's one thing that happens, one that's noticeable. One that's noticeable. What is it that the Pharisees also said about the disciples, they said, they, they, we can tell they spent time with Jesus. Uh, they, they didn't know exactly what, what, what all was going on, but they, and they didn't know uh, where they had been to spend time with Jesus, but they can tell that the disciples had spent some time with the Lord. And that because they had this renewed fervor, they had this strength, they had this uh, the, the shine about them uh, in the midst of adversity, and, and they could just see it. It was upon them. It was shining from them. And there in verse 30, uh, the Bible says that, that his face shone. And that word shone there has the idea of, of rays that are coming out of him, uh, not just from off of his skin necessarily, but seems like it has the idea that it was coming, a, a light that was coming from 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 within and was coming out of him that was shining out of him from the inside and uh, I just think that's that's tremendous and and when the people saw it uh, we definitely see that it was noticeable it was noticeable to them and the Bible says that there in verse 30 that they were afraid to come nigh him and so it was noticeable with them they 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 could definitely see that he had spent time with God 
they, they could definitely see that the glory of the Lord was shining all around him, all about him. And I don't know about you, but I just find that exciting to know that, that you know, we can spend time with God. And, 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 and the more time that we spend with the Lord, and, and, and the less time out here in the world, and, and, and the, more, the more we submit ourselves to the, to, the, to, the, to the knowledge and the wisdom and the glory and the majesty of God, that, that we allow ourselves to be uh, internally uh, internally worked on so much so that the light just light of God just comes out from us and uh, and he says there in verse uh, there in verse 30 they were all afraid uh, to come nigh him uh, it was definitely noticeable that he was spending time with God what else do we see well I think in verse 31 the Bible says and Moses called them and, and Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. So not only do we see that the glory of God was noticeable upon him, but we also see that the glory of God was approachable. It was uh, The glory of God was, was approachable to him. One of the things that, the, uh, that we see uh, there in verse 31 is that uh, we see that uh, he spoke to the elders. We see he spoke to the congregation. But I also see that it was God's desire. He wanted, he wanted the other people to see it. Submerge yourself in the glory of the Lord. When, when, you, when you forsake the world and, and, and you write upon the tables of your heart the laws of my commands, when you do these things in your life and, 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 you, and, you, deny, and you deny the world and you, and you walk with me, then there's this light that can shine upon you, even come, even, uh, uh, come out from inside of you, and it can be noticeable and approachable. Uh, to everyone and the Bible shows us there in verse 31 that Moses called them unto him he wanted to share that light he wanted other people to see that light not because he was just so proud of himself not because he wanted everybody to see what uh, that he that he was you know God's right hand man but there was a message that he wanted to speak to him and that message was the commands of God and the Bible says and Moses called unto them and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And there in verse 32, And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Now all this time that he's speaking to the people, the Bible, the Moses is standing there and the light's just shining off his face. I mean, the whole time that he's standing there talking to these people, his face is just shining. I mean, I imagine it was just as bright as could be. Who knows the body? make out his face and necessarily maybe even be able to see who he was I don't know but this was obviously a, a, a fairly decent bright light because everybody can see it so much so that it made uh, that it made Aaron and the other guys that saw it there in verse uh, there in verse 30 it made them afraid to uh, it made them uh, afraid when they first saw it uh, they couldn't believe it they were trying to understand it trying to figure it out uh, and so it wasn't just something that was just minimal that just a, a small light that was shining about him it was obviously something that was very strong very radiant very bright that was shining off of him and whenever he spoke to the people that's what he was doing his face was shining as he was speaking to the people because he was talking to them about the words of God there in verse 32 what was it he was talking about the Bible says and afterward all the children of Israel came nigh and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him. Now, what, what was it that Moses was interested in getting out to the people? Was it his own opinion? No. 
Was it what he said they said? No. What was it? He, he, he was interested in getting to them what it is that God had spoken to him about. And that's, what, and that's exactly what should be uh, our, uh, our, uh, our job. That should be what we desire to do in our life is to get out what it is that God has said. His commands and, and get out uh, the things that uh, to the world the things that God has told us to observe so that we can teach other people to observe those things and they can of course in turn teach others. And the Bible says there in verse 32 uh, that he gave them in commandment all that the Lord has spoken with him. He didn't leave nothing out. I mean everything God told him to say that's what he said. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't say well you know what I don't know this, this if I say this this might hurt somebody's feelings. If I say this this might be offensive or he didn't say, well, I don't know, God. You might want to be a little easier there. You might want to think, you know, be careful here. Now, God didn't say he was clear. He just said what it is that God, God had to say. And whenever he said that, uh, the, whenever and as he was doing that, we see that this light continued to shine off of him. He gave all that the Lord has spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And then there in verse 30. Notice, I'm sorry, in verse uh, 33. And the Bible says, until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. Now, one of the things that we see is that when Moses was when Moses was talking with God, he took the veil off his face. When Moses was talking with the people, the veil was off of his face. But when Moses was just going about his everyday life, he put a veil over his face. You know what I see? I see that as a sign of uh, I see that as a sign of humility in the life of Moses. I see that as a sign of him humbling himself. Before an Almighty God, I see that I see that as a sign of Him saying, "You know what? My light, the power of God will illuminate. The power of God will shine uh, when it needs to when, when it needs to shine. I'm not going to walk around and, and thump my chest and have everybody just look at me for who I am. Yeah, look at me. I got this. I've been I spend time with God like the Pharisees. You know, Jesus said the Pharisees. He said they spend all, 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 at the time of prayer. The Pharisees they'll stand out in the marketplace and when and when that time of prayer comes, they'll stand there and, and make themselves noticeable to men and, and when they go to fast you know they disfigure their faces and, and make themselves look like they haven't uh, like they've been fasting for, for, for days and when in fact they have not. He says they're like lighted sepulchers you know on the inside they're full of dead men's bones and, and, and so we don't see that that's the kind of person that Moses was. Moses was the kind of person, he was genuine, he, he, he wanted the people to see him as he was, he wanted to be right in front of God, when he was with God, uh, uh, he took the veil off of his face and God shone upon him, and the glory of God shone around him, there was nothing between him and the Lord, and when he come to the people, he, he spoke to the people, the veil was off of his face, and, 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 and so he would in essence radiate the glory of God to them that he received as he was speaking with God. He was speaking with God. God was giving him glory, and God was making his face shine so bright. And then whenever he went out to the people, he, in essence, transferred that glory straight over to them, and, and, and they could see what he was getting out of God. And uh, But whenever he was just uh, walking around and going about his everyday life, he put the veil over his face. A uh, very uh, humble person. And the Bible says that he... Verse 34, but when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until it came back out. And when he came out, he spoke to the children of Israel, that which he commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Uh, and so here we see the face of Moses. 
shining amongst the people. And how did that happen? How did it get there? Well, he had to prepare himself on the inside. He had to prepare himself privately for it to happen publicly. He had to, he had to, there was some work that he had to do on himself uh, before he could get, uh, before he could get to this place where he needed to be at. Uh, and so what did he have to do? Well, he, we see from the very beginning that he was uh, out there in the world and worked the tables. And so he ended up having to go back and uh, ride them all over again. And he spent time with the Lord doing that. And as he was up there on the top of the mountain with God, he was uh, writing the, 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 uh, the words of God on the tables of stone, spending time in God's word. And then he was, uh, and then he was uh, of course, walking with the Lord, asking for God's forgiveness. God said, make sure you take heed, prepare, you know, uh, guard yourself, take heed to yourself. All these things that he was doing privately that was going to help him at this point uh, whenever he was out there in front of all the people and uh, and so what a, tremendous, uh, what a tremendous part here in the Bible we see about the face of Moses shining. Uh, if there's ever a time to shine, I believe it's today. Amen. If there was ever a time to shine, I believe it's today. When we look out in the world today, if there was ever a darkness uh, that needed a light, it is right now. Uh, and so may we do all we can uh, to be a light in this world of darkness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, once again for the message tonight. God, we pray that you would... Uh, help us this evening as we go out into a lost and dark world that you'd help our light to shine. Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, you'd bless us tonight as we get ready to go home. God, you keep us safe. You bring us back here the next appointed time on Sunday. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.